also that, you know, we know that there are work schedules, prior engagements, uh, vacations, things like that. So please don't feel buffeted or condemned if you can't get here on uh, April the 1st. Just call me and tell me what day you can be here and we'll put you to work one of those other days. And uh, no, some people have done that and they said, well, you know, we can't be there, but if there's something on Thursday night we can do. So just let me know and we will give you a little assignment so that as we spread it out, we can get more done. But if we just have a small group of people, uh, then it's going to take us longer to get it done. Okay? Get your Bibles out, if you would, this morning, your smart devices, whatever you're using. Some, A couple of you have already asked, so I'll let the rest of you know. We are not live right now. Um, the web-based platform that we use to broadcast is down worldwide right now. It's not just us. It's not, it's Sling Studio is not working right now. I'm going to blame it on the NCAA men's basketball tournament. and uh, They're over-broadcasting with all of their things going on, and so they took all the bandwidth. I don't know. I'm just saying that. That's not probably not the truth, but uh, we're not broadcasting live, but Matthew is recording. And we will rebroadcast tonight at 6 o'clock. So let all of your friends on Facebook know. If you want to share my post this morning about that, just go over and grab that and share my post that we'll rebroadcast tonight. We are in a series entitled For Mature Audiences Only. And we are maturing. Got one that wants to mature. All right. Uh, and we are learning to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, we have, Matthew talked about growing pains, and last week we talked about the difference between being childish and childlike. Uh, a lot of comments this week on our devotion. It was well received, and it was uh, an encouragement. It was not a um, condemnation message. It was a uh, message that should convict and areas that we need to improve in. But this morning we're going to talk about the right diet. Okay, I love pizza. I'm getting some amens now. I love anything chocolate. Chocolate fudge, chocolate icing, chocolate cake, chocolate brownies, chocolate chip cookies, chocolate double chunk cookie dough, blizzards, Reese cups is my favorite candy bar. And my mom always made my favorite meal for my birthday, which Jennifer didn't like, but it's beef stew with a little bit of gravy over it. Oh. Mm. Man, it was good. And then you, to top that off, you have to put a little bit of ketchup on it too. And man, I'm in heaven. Everybody, I just lost everybody on ketchup. The rights eat ketchup on just about everything. Eggs, potatoes, pizza. We dip it in pizza. But I, I, I remember growing up, and you probably do too, that there were certain foods that I didn't like at certain ages. And there were certain foods that I disliked so much. Odin, you probably did this too. Your mom can probably give me pictures. You spat it out. Ooh, sweet potatoes. Ugh. But I, I love them. When I was a kid, peas, mm-mm. Didn't like peas, so I would just spit it out. But, but my parents would say, and I've told Matthew and Natalie and Mary before, you need to eat that. It's good for you. And here, here's the kicker. It will help you grow. I, 
If we want our children through their infancy stage, toddler stage, elementary school age to be able to eat a well-balanced meal, you used to lie about bananas too, being allergic to them. Matthew, thank you for that encouraging word. But we want our kids to eat a well-balanced nutritional uh, diet so that they could what? Grow and be healthy. Because to become a healthy person, you've got to eat the right foods. Are we really spiritually healthy, though? What are you feeding the inner man? What are you consuming that's feeding your soul? Now, at this point in juncture, in days gone by, I would probably talk to you about the man that you feed the most would grow the most. But you don't, you don't have a dual personality. Look at me just a second. You are not a dual personal person. You don't have multiple personalities. You have a brand new heart that God's placed within you. He said he would take out the old stony heart and he would replace it with a heart of flesh. And you are a new creation in Christ. You're not the old man that's being remodeled. You are a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. Listen, the moment that you believed, your spirit man was made perfect. Now, you're not aware of that. You grow into that. But I would used to preach to you that you could eat different things. And if you watched this, uh, and if you uh, heard this, and you did these things, you were feeding the flesh man, and that flesh man would grow See, I'm a spirit man. Now, it's either going to grow progressively, which is normal, or you're going to be malnutritioned because you're not feeding the spirit man, still going to heaven, still a child of God, but you've always got to have somebody feed you, burp you, and change you, and clean up all your messes. But look at me and agree with me that there is a time, Paul said, to put away childish things Realize you are a man and take personal responsibility even for feeding yourself. Can somebody help me this morning? Now stay with me today because I think you're going to hear what kind of food that you need on your menu to ensure growth. The scripture relays to us that after we believe there is a maturation process. It's called discipleship. 1 Corinthians 3.1, Paul is suggesting to the Corinthians that he had to talk to them as if they were infants. Look at 1 Corinthians, the third chapter, verse number 1 in your Bibles. And then he goes on in verse number 2 to say, I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. But listen, children of God, if you've been saved for five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, some maybe even 50 years plus, and you have not grown, help us, Jesus. Hebrews, the fifth chapter, verse 13 says, For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. In other words, if you have not grown in your doctrine, if you've not 
matured in the things that you believe and you're, well, let's just get down to where the rubber meets the road. If a minister in a pulpit is only preaching a salvation message week in and week out, he is only feeding milk. I'm about salvation, folks. I believe that it is time for us to go out and win souls and tell people about the goodness of God. You don't have to scare them into it. Tell them about what God has done for them. It's called good news. And then the goodness of God, Romans 4.2, will bring you unto, to a place of repentance where you're changing your mind about who God is. You believe, you receive, and then milk is fed to you because you're not ready for stronger things yet. Then as you grow and you get some teeth, and they're solid. You don't keep coming back to salvation. Thank God for it. But that was the launching pad. It's not the growth process. We need discipleship within the church. Chapter or verse 14 of Hebrews 5 says, But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. Say full age. That means mature. That is, those who, by reason of practice, in, in other words, they've moved from the milk to the meat and they've practiced the things that God has given to them. Now they have their senses exercised to discern good and evil. Okay. In just a second, we're going to talk about the difference between judging and discerning. Here it is, eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil causes us to judge. See, listen, in Genesis, when God, listen, God will create your purpose before he'll put you in it. He created the garden before he put Adam and Eve in it. He didn't create Adam and Eve and then put a garden around them. He created their purpose first, then he placed them within the garden. And he said, of all the trees of the garden, tend them, and you can eat of any of them, but this tree right here, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We know that because of their, the identity issue that Satan was able to deceive, the old serpent uh, told a lie, he twisted it. They were already created in the image and likeness of God, but because they wanted to be like God, which is not a bad desire, we put a bad, give old Eve a bad rap. She just wanted to be like God and didn't have the knowledge that of what her identity already was in God. And so she partakes of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and then she gives to Adam and Adam and ever since then man has been following one woman around. Just joking. That was extra added commentary that didn't need to be there. I'm sorry. <laughs> but because they ate, their eyes were opened about things of good and evil. Instead of just walking in the cool of the garden in that relationship with God that he would help them mature, he would cause them to be fruitful and multiply, They wanted to, their eyes were opened to it because day one they were naked and unashamed. But when they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Watch this now. Now their eyes are opened and they will judge 
by sight what is good and what is evil. And because people have the wrong diet as believers that are still picking the fruit off of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we go around judging people based on what we see and we determine is good or evil. But eating from the right tree, somebody say the right tree, the better tree, the tree of life, will allow us to be able to discern by the Spirit and not judge by our sight. We need to pray right here. Maybe you want to pray a prayer, something like this. Thank you, Jesus, for the finished work of the cross. I thank you that you have given me eyes to see, ears to hear, a mind to receive, and a heart to believe, and a mouth to confess all the good things that you have already given to me through Jesus at the cross. In Jesus' name. A mature believer is one who can rightly divide the word of truth. Paul talks to Timothy. You know, the, most of Paul's writings are letters to a body of people in a location that they've started a church. Corinth, book of Corinthians. Ephesus, the church at Ephesus. Uh, Thessalonica, the church, the Thessalonians. On and on, Philippi, Philippians, Colossians, Colossians, Galatians, Galatia. But when he writes to Timothy, he's writing to Timothy as a father would write to a son to encourage him. Most of the time, most of the time that, that letter wasn't to be read publicly. It was for Timothy's own eyes, but we have the privilege to look into it. And a lot of times what Paul was trying to tell Timothy as a, in a mentor-mentee relationship is not something that he was telling the whole church, but yet it gets brought across that you need to do this and you need to do that and this person can't be remarried and have this position. He was, give, he was admonishing him about certain things that he felt that should took, take place in the church. And so he tells him that you need to be able, if you're going to lead the church, now we can apply this to our own lives, but pastors, elders, should be men who rightly divide the word of truth. Now rightly dividing the word of truth, if we really want to get down to the context of it, is being able to tell what covenant the language is in. Because there is new covenant language in the Old Testament. Jeremiah, uh, I prayed it earlier this morning. And he said he would take out that old stony heart and he would replace it with a heart of flesh. Uh, we're going to read one of those old covenant scriptures that has new covenant language here in just a second. But there are also things in the New Testament that refer back to old covenant language. And a lot of times, just because it's written in red doesn't mean that Jesus was giving us doctrine when he said it. So you need to rightly divide the word of truth, understanding what the context is, understanding what covenant is under, and if you don't, you will stay in immaturity. Why? Because you're not feeding yourself the right diet to grow. Number two, a maturing believer is one who can distinguish between the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. The forerunner of Christ, John the Baptist himself, said the axe has already been laid to the root of the tree. 
it was prophetically a picture of the axe being laid to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because Jesus was going to take a garden or a, a graveyard and turn it back into a garden called paradise where the tree of life was. Now the tree of life is located inside of you. And you can feed from the inner man, but you can also feed others from the inner man. And the leaves of that tree are healing. And thirdly, a maturing believer is one who has a steady diet of lamb. Nothing but mutton. Just eat more lamb. So, jump with me to Psalm 34, verse 8, where David says, and we're going to have a taste test this morning. Anybody want a taste test? Have you ever been to a taste test? Where, oh, yeah, they're good stuff. Where they lay out, the, the chef prepares all of these new foods, and you get to be one that partakes of all these and tasting these new recipes. Well, David said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is what? Good. So I believe that the taste of the Lord is good. It's sweet. The word taste here in the Hebrew means to eat or to perceive. So as we partake of the Lamb of God, we are experiencing His goodness. You've never tasted anything any better until you've had Lamb, and I'm not talking about by that kind of lamb. <laughs> I'm talking about the lamb of God that takes away, he took away the sin of the world. Now when the reason that people don't like what they are tasting a lot of time is because of the presentation. If, if I'm serving last year's lamb, if I'm serving old covenant lamb that's being slain daily as the priests stand before the altar to make atonement for the sins of the people, it does not taste very good. But if I'm serving fresh lamb, the lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world, the lamb of God that took away the sin of the world, the lamb that he said he would provide when Abraham was about to offer up Isaac, that's some good stuff. The lamb that took on the sin of the world. He who knew no sin became sin so that you could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That tastes pretty good. Well, I'm talking about the lamb who took the stripes upon his back so that you did not have to face sickness in your body. I'm talking about the lamb of God who wore a crown upon his head for the chastisement of your peace. I'm talking about, come on somebody, I'm talking about the lamb of God that took the shame upon him so he could say, shame on me, not shame on you when it came to your sin. We can taste his goodness today. I, now here's one of these old covenant scriptures that has new covenant language in it. Write it down. So, because you might want to go back to it. Isaiah 55, verses 1 through 3. I'm going to paraphrase, but it ends up saying, My words give life, for I will make a covenant with you, and I will not break it. That's new covenant language. Because if it was old covenant language, it would be something like this. I will make a covenant with you, and if you break it, then I will do away with you. 
or you will have to go make a sacrifice in order to reinstate that covenant. But when it's a new covenant language that we can taste of, it has language in it where it says, He will do this. I will make a covenant with you, and I will not break it. We can taste of the goodness of God in three areas, or in three ways. Are you ready? I'm sure there's more, but this is just what I, I saw this morning. Number one, believe that you will experience his goodness here. There are, there are so many sermons and so much teaching that it's, and, and here's how I know that it's theology for different churches because it's in their hymn books. It'll be better over there. Someday, by and by, on the sunny banks, after I die, just a few more weary days and then, and just all of these songs that when the roll is called up yonder, all of these things that talk about death and the afterlife, and then it'll be good, and then all my pain will cease, and then all of my worries will cease. But I'm telling you right now that Psalm 27, verse 13, David realized that he remained confident that he would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living in the here and now you can taste of the goodness of God you can experience his goodness right here right now I'm sharing good news with you this morning I'm going I'm serving up some fresh I don't know if you like it medium rare or well done with a side of mashed potatoes with garlic on them with gravy but whatever it is that you like it's being served up hot and fresh this morning the goodness of God. Amen. Number two, we can taste of his goodness when we receive the goodness of the Lord as our inheritance. Listen to this statement. Now, let me go back. Jesus is not something that is to be explained. He is something to be experienced. When we experience his goodness, we are experiencing his love, his mercy, his forgiveness, his kindness, his tenderness, his long-suffering with us, and all that he's ever provided for us. That is what we can receive as our inheritance now. Do you remember the story of Jacob and Esau? Does anybody remember that story? And Esau was the oldest, and under that old covenant, System, the oldest got a double portion, or he got his inheritance first and a little extra than the youngest son did. But Esau had been out hunting and he came back in and he didn't catch anything and he was very hungry. And Jacob had a pot of stew boiling and it smelt real good to Esau. And he was willing to give up his birthright, his inheritance, the double portion, the elder brother portion. Just for one meal. I've got good news for you today. You don't have to sell your birthright to experience the goodness of God. Your elder brother has already provided it for you through his death on the cross. And because of his death, we have an inheritance. And it's the goodness of God. Psalm 84.11 says, For the Lord is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. And no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly with him. How much is he withholding from you? Nothing. 
Thirdly, we can taste of the goodness of God by recognizing his goodness is always chasing us. Look behind you. There's goodness. Look over your other shoulder. There's goodness and mercy. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I've got better news than that for you. He's dwelling inside of you because you are the house of the Lord forever. <laughs> now, Second Peter, who would have thought that Peter would have written a letter? He was always drawing his sword out. But when the Holy Ghost fell on the day of Pentecost, and he, had, he got a, a dose of the ghost, he, he started writing letters, preaching. 3,000 are baptized on that day when he preaches. And he writes a letter and he says, but we need to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This word grow means to increase, to become greater in size. It is the process of maturity. Listen. Maturity is not automatic. And there's no shortcuts. If there were shortcuts, we would not be in this world. <laughs> we would walk with God and be no more. Yeah, But growth or maturity is a process and the key to authentic discipleship, listen, is a non-stop progression or development of the believer. We are always growing. I don't know. I didn't know the things that I'm preaching right now 10 years ago. I didn't know it. It wasn't a revelation to me then. Things that I have not even shared with you all that are progressive revelations in my life that I'm still getting a grip on that I can't even share it with you yet because, wow, hmm, if I shared that with you, I probably wouldn't have nobody next week. <laughs> but it's, 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 it's good. It tastes real good. It's fresh. It's not uh, warmed up hash. It's, it's good stuff. But to grow is in this, it's a Greek verb, and the tense of this verb is active and progressive. There's not a starting and a stopping point. It's an ongoing progression of maturing. But what helps in that process is what we are consuming for our souls, what we are feeding the inner man. Let me just talk hillbilly to you for a second, okay? Grow up. Grow up. I mean, if I want to preach and not go to meddling. Just, if you are getting upset over the same thing that you got upset three years ago, five years ago, you, you're not growing up. You're not maturing. If I don't learn from my mistakes, you know what's going to happen? I'm probably going to have to go back and repeat that until I learn from that and I grow from that and I move on from that. Now, listen, I know that there are some of us who are going through certain things right now. I went through divorce 15 years ago. But if I am still wallowing in, and see, God gave me a great and precious gift. He gave me uh, Lisa 12 years ago. Some of you haven't got that yet. You've gone through divorce. You've gone through divorce. You've gone through divorce. You've gone through divorce. You're waiting for things. 
in that waiting, there is a maturing process. Not that you were a baby, but there are some things that I needed to learn that I wasn't going to learn until I got through certain things. Grief. You're grieving over a husband. You're grieving over a daughter. And we've talked about that. And we're, we're not bullying you into in, any type of time frame for your grieving process. But if I look at you 20 years from now and you're still down and discouraged and depressed and you haven't got up, put your makeup on, and got your big boy pants on and going to work, Something's wrong. We need to mature. These are times that when we go through these situations that the Holy Ghost will get up under you. He will undergird you. He will lift you. And then he will strengthen you, give you new food that you can feed your soul with so that you can grow. 1 Timothy 4.6 says to be a good minister of Christ, we need to be nourished in the words of faith and good doctrine. That word nourished means that we have food or other substances necessary for growth, health, and well-being. Out of that word nourished is the word nurture. And when we are nurtured, we are educated. You will not be educated in a religious system that is indoctrinating you with rules. That will keep you going back to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Which will keep you in a spirit of judgment and not in a discerning spirit. See, as we go through certain things and we learn certain um, principles uh, about the kingdom and about our own lives... My dad told this guy one time that had been married five times, he said, let me pick the next one because you haven't done very good the first five times. If you keep repeating the same things over and you haven't learned about it, you know what the common denominator was in those five marriages? Him. What? Because he didn't grow. He, he was stagnant in his relationship with the Lord. He was stagnant. He didn't feed his soul. He didn't take the hurt, not only that he had received, but that he had given, and learn from it and grow in it. Does that make sense? Revelation 2.7 says that we have been granted the privilege and the access to eat of the fruit of the tree of life. When I saw that, it reminded me of a couple of scriptures. John 6, 63, Jesus said that his words are both spirit and life. In order to grow in the knowledge of his grace, we must consume his words. His words are written on the pages of the scriptures, are they not? This is the written word of God, but there is also the spoken word of God. That spoken word of God couldn't be spoken audibly from by someone who's being a mouthpiece of God that speaks into your life and you consume that. But greater than that, as we mature, the spirit that is in us receives and bears witness from his spirit in heaven that we are the children of God. Then there is communication that goes on and he will speak his word right into our hearts. But even greater than that, Jesus himself is the word. He's quick. He's powerful. He's sharper than any two-edged sword. 
Now, that can be through his written word, his spoken word, or someone as a mouthpiece of God speaking his word to you. Do you understand? This is why Mary was found at the feet of Jesus. What was she doing at the feet of Jesus? Martha's working in the kitchen. She's laboring. She's toiling. The pots and pans are going. The food's being slung. She's complaining the whole time. But what's Mary doing? She's holding on to every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And Matthew 4, 4 says that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We need to consume. That's one of the things that you can put on your menu that will help you grow is to consume the word of God. This is the bread which came down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh. We just ate the bread a few minutes ago. Which I shall give for the life of the world. He is the bread of life. So taking communion is something that should be put on your menu. Not just once a month when we take it at Grace Life. But it's something that's good for us to consume. Punch your neighbor and say, he's the bread of life. He's not only the bread of life, he's the lamb of God. We've talked about that. He's the lamb and he's the bread. Symbolic as we eat the bread and drink the cup for spiritual strength and for spiritual growth. Frank, if you would come. Maturity of the inner man involves feeding on the bread of heaven and the lamb of God. Feeding on the lamb is more than a metaphor. It's literally consuming all that Jesus is and all that he has and all that he has given to us. Listen, it was an eating problem in the garden that got them into the situation that they were in. But thank God he's, Jesus came and he died and he turned that graveyard back into a garden where we What's going to get us out of it is eating. Now, listen to my heart as I say this, okay? There's too much preaching on fasting. I'm not against fasting, but I am against fasting when that's all we're talking about because fasting will not bring maturity. I'll say it again. Fasting will not be bring maturity because it's a starvation technique and you've got to eat to be healthy. Feasting instead of fasting is the new covenant way. I'll say it over here and I'll say it loud for those in the back. Feasting and rather than fasting is the new covenant way. Those that might hear me on the internet and some of you in here will only hear that I'm against fasting. That's not what I said. There's a purpose for it. And I'm not the one that will tell you when to do that. If it's a true fast, Isaiah 58 tells us that a true fast is comb your hair, brush your teeth, bake your neighbor a cake, and don't tell anybody you're fasting. But what do we do? We get up and we say, oh, January 1st through 21st, we're all going to fast. Where you're not doing it the way the Bible said to do it. I mean, am I right about it? If I'm broadcasting to you or if I'm inviting you to do what I'm doing 
as a technique to twist God's arm to get him to do good things for us. We got this thing backwards because it's, it, he already wants to do good for us. I don't have to twist his arm to get him to do good things for me. If I'm going to fast, it's probably because I don't believe that he wants to do good things for me and I've got to get my belief system lined up with what he's already done for me. But sometimes that comes along better by feasting, not fasting. I don't want to be negative about that at all. I just have a new revelation that's helped my soul and it's brought life to me when I don't have to go and die every five seconds and, and starve myself to get God to move on my behalf. I, I mean, that, let's just be real logical about that because we being evil or carnal and we want to do good for our... I, could, I can't imagine... I'm not a better father than God, but I could not imagine taking any of our five children and sending them to their room for three days and saying, I'm going to teach you a lesson and you're not going to eat for three days. CPS would be down there taking those kids out of my house right now. But we think that that's what our father is putting on us to get him talked into something that we need on our behalf. We need a daily habit of spending time in the scripture. It's beneficial to our spiritual growth. But what's happened is, see, when we take that daily habit of scripture reading, feeding our spirit man, the inner man, and consuming the word, and we put it in an immature mindset, it becomes a rule and a requirement. And if you don't do it, then you're backslidden, you're not following God, and you've got to go back to the altar and confess your sins again, not a sin of commission, but a sin of omission because you omitted to read the Word. It's not a requirement. You're not going to miss hell, but you'll probably stay immature. But it needs to be a daily habit. And if we miss a day or two or skip a day or two, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Just get back into that habit. Have you ever gotten so busy during a work day that you forgot to eat lunch? Sometimes that happens in life. We get busy and we forget to get the scripture out and read it. You're not going to hell. Don't let anybody put that on you. It's not a requirement, but it is something that we should do that benefits the growth process of the believer. Hear it. Study it, memorize it, meditate on it, visualize it, personalize it, and please don't forget to apply it. Then we need to have daily conversation with the Father. This is on our menu of foods that we need to eat, daily time in the Word, reading, studying the Scripture, memorizing, meditating on it, personalizing it, and visualizing it. That's our imagination. Your imagination is a powerful thing. As you begin to imagine that that scripture is true and you see yourself in it and that God has done it for you, you personalize it, then you begin to apply it. Then a daily conversation with the Father. He is the source of our strength. He is our substance. We need to be having conversations. In these conversations with the Father, in Jesus' name, bearing witness spirit to spirit, He will bring direction. 
He will bring instruction and he will bring correction. I'll say it again. In these conversations, you've been reading the scripture and now you're having a conversation with the Father, just like I'm talking to you right now, then he'll begin to give you direction. Yeah, go over there and, and if you go this way, then you're going to avoid that and I'm going before you. And so if you'll follow me in this direction, I'm ahead of you. You're going to miss the pitfalls, the traps. I'm working it all out. I'm making the crooked straights, uh, the crooked places straight. I'm bringing the... The, uh, the low places up and I'm bringing the high places down and I'm making a way where there seems to be no way. Follow me. That's, that's direction. Then there's some instruction. Go pray for this one. Go give this one a word. Hand that one $5. Go mow that yard. Hey, that sister needs this. That brother could use your help over there. This one needs that. You have ability to work on the car? Help that one with instructions that then begins to be body ministry and we receive strength because it's better to give than it is to receive. More blessed, I should say. And then there's correction. We don't want that one. Sometimes that's hard on us. It's not condemnation. But as we grow, there's correction that needs to be made. Course correction. Vocabulary correction. Behavior correction. Did I say it? And then there needs to be weekly time spent with other believers in fellowship. If that's not on my menu, sooner or later, the more detached I become from the body in a local gathering, it will affect me. See, a lot got in the habit of watching that little thing on the computer and thankful for it because there's times when we're traveling or on vacation or we have to work or we're sick that we can watch it. But if our habit has become not to gather with the local body, uh, it's probably going to affect our, our health, our strength. You know, I heard a lot during COVID that about herd immunity. That's where we get around each other and our immunities build up because we have things that we share with each other even sicknesses and difficulties that really causes the whole community to be stronger in the long run we need to get around each other we need to be around each other oh lord help me I hope my I was I think this was important um, I was excited about it I, I'm, I've been receiving and tasting of the lord and his goodness I've been saved since I was seven, but I really didn't start tasting of the goodness of God until about 12 years ago. And I, I love to talk about it. I love to eat on it. I love to look at Jesus. I love to share Jesus. I, may, I, I like to make him look real good and real big, so good and so big that people say he can't be that good. Well, he's, he's even better than that. Stand to your feet. If you would right now, please. And what I meant was trying to say in that, I just hope that my delivery didn't come across harsh. I just, sometimes I get so excited. I don't want to revert back to old techniques and strategies. But when there's some excitement, some passion behind it, Lisa says, calm down. Get that back of your throat hacking preacher voice. I'm a teacher and 
and I wanted to come across this such because I want to give you resources. So, Lord, help each one to take something from this message and put it down on their menu of the good things of God. Taste and see that the Lord is good, that his mercy endures from generation to generation. You're faithful, you're kind, you're loving, you're long-suffering. I thank you for that one. You're patient. You're good all by yourself, and you're good even when I'm bad. I thank you for your goodness this morning. Holy Spirit, we invite you right now to speak to our hearts. Show us something that we can improve on. Show us something that we can change courses and direction of. Give us some instruction and correction. We can put it on our menu and we can eat of it daily. To grow, to mature, full age believers. Eating solid food. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing and worship together. You obey the Holy Spirit.